said that he hopes that he and Jim will come to church sometime soon, and I hope that will be the case as well. So let's pray for that to happen. Here in Second Samuel chapter 17, Second Samuel chapter 17, and um, I'm just going to read verse 27 and through 29. 2 Samuel chapter 17. And it came to pass when David was come to Mahanaim that Shobai the son of Nahash of Reba of the children of Ammon and Maacher the son of Amiel of Lodabar and Barzillai the Gileadite of Rogelim brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched poles and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kine for David and for the people that were with him to eat, for they said that the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Tonight, I'm going to look at this man named Barzillai. Barzillai. I don't know how many sermons you've ever heard about Barzillai, but probably not very many. But Barzillai was a very faithful man and a very neat lesson that we can learn from uh, this man. Back in chapter 15 and verse 13 and 14, it says... Uh, in chapter 15 and verse 12, and Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor, from a city even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. The conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Verse 13 of chapter 15, and there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David then said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, let us, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And so we see here that David is on the run. You remember a few weeks ago we talked about Ahithophel and how that David uh, was was under a mutiny. The, the, his own son, Absalom, was, was going to try to take over the throne and Ahithophel, his former friend, had changed places and the conspiracy was strong. And so they're on the run and they're fleeing for their life. And the Bible tells us from the indication of Mizneum and the other verses that we read that they had to cross Jordan. And so they went down east from Jerusalem, down into the Jericho Valley, and then crossed Jordan and went on to the Jordan side, which we call modern-day Jordan, on the east side of the Jordan River. And they went up north, so northeast of Jerusalem, uh, in, into this place called Mahanaim. And that's where David was trying to get to. And remember, David left Hushai to try to convince Absalom not to listen to Ahithophel. And Hushai gave, we were talking about earlier about giving, bearing a false testimony. Hushai kind of gave him a, a false, uh, a false advice there on purpose to try to slow down Ahith, uh, Absalom and to thwart Ahithophel's counsel. And when when his counsel was thwarted and his counsel wasn't listened to, we know what happened. Bible says in in uh, chapter. Uh, uh, 17 and verse number 23 and when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house to his city and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father because he knew at that point it's over it's done uh, Absalom is not blessed he's not listening to good counsel and David's going to win and this is this is over with and so he could see the handwriting on the wall he knew he was defeated and he hung himself verse 24 and David came to Mahanaim which is northeast on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And Absalom passed over Jordan, he and all his men, and Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab, which Amasa was a man's son whose name was Ithra, 
an Israelite that went into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom pitched in the land of Gilead, which was also on the east side of the Jordan. And so they're not far behind. And that's where we pick up where we read earlier. And that came to pass that David was come to Mahanaim, that these other men along with Barzillai brought all of the victuals. We know from chapter 19, we'll see it a little bit later, that Barzillai was an 80-year-old man. He was 80 years old, and he was used of God to be a huge blessing and a huge support to David. David is literally on the run. They don't have time. They, haven't, they didn't know this was going to happen. This is all last minute. There wasn't like they could pack their suitcases and make arrangements. They just got out of there, and they crossed the river, and they're just running. They don't have any vittles. They don't have anything, any personal effects. There's nothing that they really brought with them. And so, again, it's interesting as you read this in verse 28. They brought beds, basins, earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour. Part, I mean, this, they, they, they just brought the whole wagon load, anything they could think of that would be a blessing to David and his people. So tonight I just want to show you some things and to just use Barzillai as an example. Barzillai was loyal. He was loyal. What a blessing to have just loyal, faithful people. Here he is, he's 80 years old, and he's a chieftain. The Bible tells us, and we'll see it in a minute, he was a wealthy man, he was a great man. He lived on the other side of the river, so not somebody that that they saw very often. He lived uh, on the east side of the Jordan and, uh, and Gilead, and, and yet he was a great man in the, in the day of treachery and rebellion when it looks like, physically speaking, Absalom's got the upper hand right now. The people are strong with Absalom, and yet Barzillai chose to be faithful and loyal to God's man, David. And Barzillai had wisdom and understanding in that matter and he was loyal so first of all the first l i want you to think about is loyalty and this was a wholehearted loyalty this is wasn't just being nice he he wasn't just you know giving them a glass of water and saying i hope you do well and good job and we're 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 here for you and, and give them a little parade no they brought wagon loads of stuff and i would say it was an uncalculated loyalty because barzillai i probably would have hung been executed had he been caught by Absalom for what he had done for David. Had Absalom won all this battle, Barzillai certainly would have been in big trouble since he aided David's people against Absalom. But he didn't, apparently didn't even cross his mind. And I think when you're 80 years old, as we'll see in a little bit, doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I believe is right. You know, and, and there was an uncalculated, it was wholehearted, it was uncalculated, it was genuine. And the reason why we know it was genuine is we see at the end of this story, even after it was over with, Barzillai went back across the Jordan with David. Didn't just send him on his way and wave at him, but actually went back across and as a true friend and a genuine loyalty to his friend David. So we can see a picture here for ourselves. How loyal are we are to our king, the Lord Jesus Christ, our king? Are we willing to be wholehearted about it? Are we genuine about it? And are, are we... Do we serve him uncalculated? In other words, I'll serve him, but if it gets tough, I'm going to drop him. Like Peter did when he, when he swore and denied the Lord. It's easy to say, I'll never deny you. But in the heat of the moment, we saw what happened to Peter, who, who claimed that he would be loyal more than anyone. What happens is, is that when we, uh, when we serve the Lord, there's always the motive question as to what we're doing it for. What's in it for me? If I go into ministry, will I get noticed and praised and recognized? 
And are we willing to go all the way, as, as they say? Look at some passages that illustrate this concerning ourselves as we think about, about Barzillai's loyalty to David when it didn't look like David could pay him back. Matthew chapter 16 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Matthew 16 and verse 24. Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. The, the sign of a disciple is to be loyal when there's no guarantee of payback. Is to be willing to lose your life for Christ's sake and to not question or worry about the results but just to do what you believe is right and we see that in Brazilia's life second corinthians chapter 12 second corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15 paul said and i will very gladly spend and be spent for you i love that verse i will very gladly spend and be spent for you though the more abundantly i love you the less i be loved you know, there's a lot of times where we just, we spend and it doesn't seem like we're loved for it or we're, it's, there's any reward for it. And yet that's the example of Christ. He gladly spent for us with no guarantee that we would ever return the favor. <clears throat> and Paul was saying that about these Corinthians people. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. And then Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8 it says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul literally lost everything he owned physically. He was a Pharisee and probably well-favored and well-respected, but when he turned Christian and became a preacher of Jesus Christ, he lost all of that. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That was Paul's loyalty to his Savior. And of course, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And you know, in times of, of emergency and war, you've just got to decide whose side are you on? Well, guess what? We're in a war. It's the war against Satan. Whose side are you on? And Berzillai said, I'm on David's side. I don't care if he's the minority. I don't care if he's not popular right now. I mean, it's easy to say I'm on King David's side when King David's sitting in the palace on the golden throne. But King David's on the run. He doesn't look like a king. He's barefoot and he's running for his life. And his people are scared and he's scared. And his son looks like he's going to be the, be the next ruler real soon. And yet Barzillai I said, no, I'm loyal to not just my friend, but God's man. I, I know who I need to be loyal to. Barzillai was loyal, but not only was he loyal... He was also liberal. Now, that's a good word. Uh, unfortunately, the, the idiots today have hijacked that word, but liberal in the Bible is actually just giving. Liberality, the idea of giving and being a giver, a true giver. And Berzillai was that. Look at Second Samuel chapter 19. Second Samuel chapter 19. And um, 
verse number 32, it says, he was an aged man, even four score years old, and he had provided the king of substance while he lay at Mahanium, for he was a very great man. That means he was a rich, that very great man is the same thing as Job. In the book of Job, he was the greatest man in his land. He was a very great, that means he was wealthy. But Barzillai used this wealth that he had to be a blessing to others. He recognized that what God's given me needs to be. Now, look, he could have said, man, I got to protect my own wealth here. I got to, I mean, I got to figure out which way the wind's blowing here. I mean, Absalom, it looks like Absalom. I don't want to say anything bad about Absalom. You know, I might just have to say, hey, David, feel for you, man. But he did more than that. He proved that he was against Absalom and for David. And he enabled him and gave him of his own wealth. And he was responding to the need. Back in chapter 17 there, verse 29, you you can't help but notice uh, verse 28 and 29, the beds, the basins, the earthen vessels, the wheat, the barley, the flour, the parched corn, the beans, the lentils, the parched pulse, honey and butter and sheep and cheese, all for these people. And he brought it personally to him, responding to the need. You know what? As a Christian... There is a grace that we are given and that we are expected to have to respond to the needs of others. I want to show you some verses in the Bible. First of all, let's go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in, in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, if you ever get a little extra, you might want to ask, I wonder why God's given me this extra. He must have given me this extra so that I'd spend it on myself. Well, maybe, but maybe he's given you this extra because he has a job for you to do. James chapter 2 and verse 15, James 2, 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And so, again, the opportunity to give and to take care of others. And then Galatians chapter 6, we have that passage that says you reap what you sow. Don't be weary in well-doing. But in Galatians 6, it goes on to say in verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Well, it's a blessing to be a help and 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 just a blessing to other people. You know, Acts says it's more blessed to give than to receive you know Barzillai actually was doing himself a favor when he was being liberal with David and David's people he was blessing himself whether he knew it or not Romans chapter 12 and verse 20 says this therefore if thine enemy hunger feed him and if he thirst give him drink for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good and and then in Acts chapter 4, at the end of Acts chapter 4, it talks about Barnabas. And the other night, us guys were, talk, were studying Acts chapter 4, uh, Wednesday night after church. And Barnabas, he saw a need. The early church, they were poor. They didn't have much. There, were, there was all these people, and there wasn't one enough to go around. And Barnabas said, you know, I've got land. I'm just going to sell it, and I'm just going to give the whole sale of the land to the, in the offering plate. And then they can just divide it up and take care of the people and their needs. That's, that's what the Christian grace is. That's what we ought to do. And Barzillai, in his liberality, saw a need and knew that he had what needed to be done to meet that need, and he did it. Obviously, he was generous. 
He had learned the secret of giving. Proverbs chapter 11, I'm going to show you this in, in also another place, but Proverbs chapter 11, if you would. Proverbs 11 and verse 24. Proverbs eleven twenty four. I don't know how long ago I said this, but it might have been to those young men the other night. I think that I think it was. But I said, you know what I've noticed? The people who give in our church are the people who have. Now, I did not say the people who have are the people who give. I said the people who give are the people who have. It's not that you have to have before you can give. But it's amazing how the people who have are are easier to give because they know how they got it in the first place. It came from God. And they recognize that if if God entrusted them with something, they need to be able to give it out and be ready to give it out. And God has the ability to give it back. Because, I mean, why not? If God looks down and sees you as a great faithful steward and agent, he's going to just turn around and give you more to give it again. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. You just scatter and yet you get more. There is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. There's our word. And he that waters shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Here we see an example listed for us here in Proverbs of what Barzillai was. He, he had the ability, he had the means, and he knew that God wanted him to use it for his man, and he did so. Luke six thirty eight, Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down. Once in a while I go out in that dumpster outside there, and it's only, you know, Friday, and garbage man's not coming until Wednesday. I climb up on that rock, and I jump down in that garbage can, and I stomp it down so I can get some more in there. That's what Luke 6, 38 is saying. Press down and shaken together. Give and it shall be given unto you. You can't outgive God. And this man, Barzillai, was generous and he knew, he saw the need and he knew what to do with what he had to meet that need. Now, I want to also look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I appreciate when we talk about special needs or maybe there's a missionary that has a need or we hear about a church that's trying to buy a property or something like that. I appreciate when we decide to give of the general fund or of the missions fund towards that. But what I appreciate more is when we pull it out of our own pocket and we recognize that God would have us to do something extra special. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to it to be the, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty and poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality they were in great affliction and yet they were great givers for to their power I bear record yea and beyond their power beyond what they even had power to do they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They wanted us. They begged us to take their gift. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. And that is the key. See, remember we started out talking about loyalty? The reason why Barzillai could give of his wealth is he'd already gave of his life. If I, if I die, I die, but I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do the right thing. You won't have a hard time giving of what you own if you, if you really lay yourself as a living sacrifice. 
And that's what Paul's saying here. They, they, they first gave of their own selves, verse 5, and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence in your love to us, See that you abound in this grace also, this grace of giving. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion for the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Notice the attribute of grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And you and I, everybody in this room, could use more grace. To grow in grace. Lord, please challenge me and help me to grow in grace and be a more gracious person, a more giving person, a more gracious individual and more liberal in my own life. And how that this church in Macedonia, these churches in Macedonia, even in great affliction and deep poverty, had liberality. They were liberal. They were givers. In verse 3, they were willing of themselves. They were willing, not not forced, but willing. Verse 4, the ministry, the fellowship, this giving is a fellowship. It's amazing how when someone gives to a special cause, there's just a bond between the giver and the receiver. There's a fellowship there. Anybody here think that Barzillai and David had a close fellowship? Anybody think that maybe King David thought special of Barzillai for the rest of his life? Well, I know he did. I'll show you in a minute. Barzillai became a very special person to David. Now, Barzillai did not do that for David, knowing the outcome was going to be David would get back on the throne. But Barzillai, in doing what he did, there became a great and close fellowship that lasted not just in David's lifetime, but for generations to follow. And then the loyalty in verse 5, and this they did not as we hope, but first gave of their own selves. What a blessing when you see people that give of themselves and the ministry, just in ministry, just serving. And verse 8, love, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion for the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. And then the blessing. Notice in chapter 9, in verse 6 through 8, it says, But I, I, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Something happened to me just a week ago that I hope is a lesson. And it's just kind of a funny thing. It's not anything major. It's not a great thing, but it was just an interesting thing. I have in my possession a weapon that shoots 357 ammo which also then shoots 38 special and i just thought that was kind of neat that it shoots two different rounds but then i realized that they also made a lever action rifle for that same cartridge and that was the way it was out in the old days that you know a guy would carry the same ammo for both his hand pistol and his rifle it just made sense so tuesday January 31st, my birthday, I'm in Rapid and I'm waiting for Miss Wilma because she's doing some errands and I was going to meet her downtown. And so I parked the car and I, I haven't been in there in years, but I went into the first stop gun sh- pawn shop there on the corner and went in and I'm looking at these guns. 
and uh, and I and I see these lever actions. I love lever action. In fact, I used to own a lever action. As a matter of fact, that lever action that I owned before, I bought it at the same store 35 years ago. And there was a young teenage boy that I met shortly after I bought that gun who did not have any gun. And the Lord pressed upon my heart to give that young man that gun. And I haven't owned a lever action since. A few weeks later, I was able to lead that young man to the Lord. <clears throat> so here I am 35 years later in this pawn shop looking at the, and I, oh, there's, there's a lever action, 357. Oh, cool. And I pick up the price tag. Oh, <laughs> cool. Uh, <clears throat> and, and I didn't even bother telling Miss Wilma about it because I couldn't think of one good reason I could give her for why we needed to have that. So, uh, so then that was Tuesday. Thursday night, I flew to, to Texas with Miss Wilma, and uh, the preacher said, you know, I just happen to know that Pastor Furs has a three fifty seven revolver. I think he ought to have a lever action to go with it. And so he pulled out from behind the pulpit a lever action and handed it to me. I couldn't believe it. And I thought that was just neat. You know what? Don't, let, don't tell Miss Wilma I said this, but I don't really need that. It's not really a necessity. Oh, there she is. Sorry, I didn't realize she was in here. But I thought to myself, can I be that liberal? Can I be that, can we be that giving and that thoughtful? And can we pass it on and pay it forward to others? And it's a blessing when people give, but I'm going to tell you, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we are supposed to be hospitable. The Bible tells us this. Romans chapter 12 and verse 13 Romans 12 and verse 13 says, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. I apologize for for my belching tonight, but Dan Cruz made a huge meal for us today. I mean, an awesome meal. We had to invite a whole bunch of people over just to eat it. It was awesome. I don't know why he did that, but it was a blessing. And it it was wonderful. And, and you know, that wasn't a need. It was just a blessing. But, you know, there are times where we can see when our brother or sister has a need. And we need to stop doing what we do in our, in our society. We need to stop saying, the church should do something about that. And we should realize, hey, I'm seeing the need. I bet God wants me to do something about that. That's kind of what we're doing in our society now. Let's vote that we do something about it. How about we just do something about that? That's the way it used to be. And we, we need to recognize that that's, that's the Christian way. Is that we just, you know, I see, I want to be a blessing to you. And maybe it's anonymous, but I want to be a blessing. I want to help you. I see a need. I want to help you uh, get that taken care of. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Maybe they don't act like they appreciate it, or maybe they're not uh, as appreciative as maybe you thought. But you know what? Be hospitable as God would have us to be. And you know what? It's required of pastors. The pastors are in First Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. It says that, that pastors are to be uh, given to hospitality and, and lovers of hospitality and, and entertaining and being a blessing to other people. It's a blessing that we have a place for people to stay here at the church. It's a blessing we can be hospitable and take care of folks. That's a blessing, encouragement. I don't know if you saw the thank you letter from Brother Getch from a few weeks ago, very appreciative letter, and uh, he, he, we can be a blessing to him. 
It's a blessing to be a blessing. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Barzillai was loyal, and Barzillai was liberal. But what Barzillai really was was a person who understood life. He knew how to live his life. Note his attitude about things and possessions. Back there in 2 Samuel, we're going to go back and read now chapter 19. 2 Samuel chapter 19. I hope when you get to be 80 years old, you realize there's more to life than things. Second, I hope it doesn't take you to age 80, by the way. 2 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 31. What happened is, is that God flipped the tables on Absalom. And you know the story. Absalom lost. Absalom was killed. Absalom's people were defeated. Ahithophel hung himself and God saved David and his people. And so the tables have turned and they're about to head back from being on the other side of Jordan, hiding out. They're about to come back. And it says in 2 Samuel 19.31, And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogelium and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old, and he had provided the king of substance, which while he lay in Mahanium, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. Hey, Barzillai, why don't you come live in the palace, and I'll feed you. I'll take care of you. Verse 34, And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king into Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old, and I can discern, I can, can I discern between good and evil? I mean, I can barely tell if it's a nice day or a bad day outside. Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing when men and women? There, wherefore then should I, thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, and why should the king recompense it me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. But, and I'll stop there and finish this, the second half of this in a minute. So he says, I don't need anything. I don't need to go. I'm 80 years old. Even if you feed me every day, I can barely taste it anymore. I, I'm an old geezer. Sorry, Delmer. I'm an old guy. And I don't know. I, I don't need things. There's nothing you've got that, that's going to make me feel any better. I, don't, I appreciate what you're trying to do. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 and 7 but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and that's why we should lay up our treasure in heaven we should recognize what really matters is not things and stuff Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 says this not that I speak in respect of want for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content I'm fine to live over here on the Jordan side I'm fine to live over here out in the desert. It's okay. It's wilderness, but I, I'm used to it. This is where I'd, run, I'd rather be. And I appreciate your offer, King, but I really don't need the, the frills. I, I don't need that. But notice also his attitude, not just towards things, but his attitude toward others. So even in this Brasilia, I was thinking about somebody else. And he said this in verse 37. He said, I'd like to just stay and, and return back to my homeland and be buried by the grave of my father and my mother. But behold, thy servant Chimham, 
let him go over with thy, my lord the king, and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me, and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee, and whatsoever thou shalt require me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan, and when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned into his own place. Then the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him. And all the people of Judah conducted the king, and also half of the people of Israel. Not positive, but I'm pretty sure that Chimham was Barzillai's son. Doesn't say positively, but it seems like that's probably either he was his servant or his son. He said, look, I don't need anything, but why don't you take care of this young guy here? Take him and, 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 and honor him. And David said, I'll do it. I don't need to be a burden to you, king. But, you know, I'm concerned about the next generation, the younger people. <clears throat> I think about our situation here and our young people that we have. We have good young people here. I would encourage you to think about the next generation. <clears throat> Our young people do not need a very nice place to live in Custer. But I'll tell you what, they could use a little help to just live in Custer. This is not an appeal to you to do anything tonight for anybody. But I do think it is possible for someone to say, you know what, I believe God would have me to do this at this time in my life or maybe in my will or something like that. I wasn't even planning on saying that tonight, but I am going to say it. I do think that it's a blessing to the next generation when you say, you know what, the king's offering me, but I don't need it. But you know, king, you could be a blessing to this young man. Would you mind being a blessing to Chim Ham? Sure, I can do that for Chim Ham. And he did. Notice something about Chim Ham. It doesn't say him by name, but over in 1 Kings chapter 2, just a few pages over, maybe 10 pages, 1 Kings chapter 2, it's the story of David handing the kingdom over to Solomon and he's about to die first Kings chapter 2 verse 1 now the days of David drew nigh that he should die and he charged Solomon his son saying and so he started to give Solomon some instructions and for most of the chapter he tells Solomon you watch out for so and so they deserve to be lynched you watch out for so and so they got it coming but right in the middle of that is verse 7 and in verse 7 David says but show kindness under the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be of those that eat at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom, thy brother. So now we see a little inside look as to King David saying to Solomon, you make sure you take care of Barzillai and his family. It's interesting how that you reap what you sow. And can I tell you something? Your kids reap what you sow. This morning I was standing here thinking about the fact that I am blessed and part of the reason why I'm blessed is because my parents made some decisions that I didn't have to make. And I realize not everybody in here maybe has parents that, that, that were saved and were going to church like you do. But do you realize you might be the parents for the next generation? Be a blessing to your family. See, Barzillai, what he did for David was a blessing to his sons being a blessing to someone else it turned out to be a blessing for his own sons and and it gets even better a couple hundred years later i want to show you something several generations later jeremiah chapter 41 what is the hometown of david does anybody know 
What was it? Bethlehem. The hometown of David is Bethlehem. Bethlehem's only about six miles from Jerusalem. Jeremiah chapter 41. This is many years later, a completely different time. But I just want to show you this because it's kind of cool. Jeremiah 41 and verse 17. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem. Guess where Chimham ended up living? He settled next to Bethlehem. He literally lived next door to David's family. Chimham became a generational thing where that's just where they lived. That's just where they ended up dwelling was next to Bethlehem. You know, there's a principle in the Bible, and I want to close with this, and it's just in Proverbs and Psalms. So if you don't mind, I'm going to turn to some passages in Proverbs and Psalms. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. If you will walk with God and walk honestly and in integrity, you'll be a blessing to your children. You know why Chimham was blessed? Barzillai. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Look back at chapter 13 of Proverbs, verse 22. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Now, usually we think of money when we read that verse. But isn't there another kind of inheritance you can leave to your children? A spiritual inheritance? A spiritual heritage. As a matter of fact, speaking of that, look with me at a couple other places. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, verse 28. Psalm 102, 28. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. There's something, else, uh, there's something to be said about a godly heritage. There's a family, I think, I think their last name is Rains. I hardly know them at all. But I was in, I think it was in Wisconsin, and I was in a church in Wisconsin, and I saw this family of Rains. And I think the, 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 the patriarch, the dad, was a deacon in the church. Not a pastor, not a preacher, a deacon. But there's this reigns that's a missionary in this part of the country. There's this reigns that's a missionary in this continent. There's, a, there's, there's all these different reigns children that grew up in church with their father and mother's example. And it's a blessing to see the name continue on, the children and the grandchildren continue on. There's no reason why Joshua and Sam and Hannah and Caleb can't continue on. They, they have grandparents and parents. There's no reason why they they should swerve and turn aside. They should be able to go forward. And the children of thy servant shall continue and their seed shall be established before thee. Then look at chapter 37, Psalm 37, verse 25 and 26. Chimham was a blessed young man because of his parents, his father, Barzillai. Psalm 37, verse 25 and 26. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. You could apply this to both David and Barzillai's family. David's on the run. He hasn't got time to pack any food. He hasn't got time to plan anything. He's on the run, but his God made sure he had food. That's something I've noticed about my heavenly father. He takes care of his children. 
His, his seed haven't been begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. And look at Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and verse 6. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yeah, I have a goodly heritage. Jim Ham, why do you live here next to Bethlehem? Well, it's like this. My father was a blessing to the king, and the king took me in and made me his neighbor. And isn't that what God's done for us, made us his neighbor? We've been blessed. I have a goodly heritage. And maybe you're the first people in your lineage to be Christians. But your desire should be for your children and your grandchildren to say, I have a goodly heritage. My, my grandparents got saved and then my parents grew up understanding salvation and now I, here I am. And pretty soon, there might even be great-grandchildren when my children start having children. And it ought to just keep on going. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Barzillai understood life. It's not about things. It's about others. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And he, he was a, a person that we don't read a lot about. We just had a few verses tonight. We read those verses. But he understood contentment and joy and satisfaction. He was loyal. He was liberal. And he lived his life for others. And that's the end of it tonight. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to preach and teach and, and to just dissect a simple person with only a few verses, but someone who in a very great trial of affliction on the part of King David was a blessing to him and to the whole nation, salvaged the kingdom. Thank you, God, for Brazilii's example and then how you even give us a little bit of hints 